are meant to call from out of the past stories, strange and weird. Tales of mystery and terror by radio's masters of the macabre. Stories of the supernatural, the supernormal, dramatized by fantasy, the mystery, the unknown. We tell you this frankly. So if you wish to avoid the excitement and tension of these magnetic plays, we urge you calmly seriously to turn off your This is The Horror. Welcome back. Thanks for joining me this Saturday. We're going to hear from Theater 1030 this week, a series produced and aired over Canada's CBC radio stations. We don't have an air date for particular episodes, but the series aired from 1968 to 1971. Here's their story, The Ghost Town Hermit. time to tell of the unaccountable, of apparitions by night and phantoms in shadows. Time to tell strange tales of fantasy and the supernatural. Mystery Theater presents The Ghost Town Hermit by Alan King. I went up to Colville that summer to get material for some feature articles on British Columbia ghost towns. You've heard of those dead mining towns in the northern part of the province. I found a story there, but I never wrote it. I have a certain reputation on a Vancouver paper I work on, and I wanted to keep it. I'd been ill the winter before, and Frank Street, my editor, was being very nice about it. You could do with a series of articles for the magazine section on ghost towns. Why don't you and Lois take a month up there? Six weeks, if you like. You need a holiday, and I need a series of features. I'd like to, Frank, but I'm all right, you know a couple of weeks would be all that nonsense, Ken. You look like the back end of a hard winter. You're going to take a long holiday and write me some stories. Build yourself up. Give me the willies just looking at you. Okay, Frank. I'll go. Lois will be tickled, I know. Uh, is there anything special you have in mind? Oh, no. Get into some of the lesser-known towns. Barkerville's been done to death. Try some of the others. Colville, for instance. Murder there once. One of two brothers. Other one stayed on. Permit. Don't know whether he's still there. Where is the place? Up near Burridge, I think. You'll find it. Maybe nothing in the story, and the place may have disappeared by now. I'll go and see anyway. Sure. Leave whenever you want to, Ken, and don't come back till you look more human. Frank was right about Colville. In the gold rush days, there'd been a murder there. And though the murder was never caught, there seemed to be a certain Bella Sawyer mixed up in it, too. She was a girl in a traveling stage show, apparently. Made a tour of those boom towns every few months. And it certainly looked promising, and we decided to make Colville our first point of investigation. We drove leisurely. I was recuperating fast and wanted to lope a bit. It was nearly a week before we turned into Burridge, but I thought I'd better try fishing for information about Colville. I got most bites from Sam Bryden, who ran the general store. 25 miles north of here, Mr. Bly. The ghost town. The real thing. Yeah, been up there once. Just like you see in the movies. One street, buildings falling apart. False fronts are still there. Some of them. Saloons, banks, the Opry House. Opera House? Yes, ma'am. All them ghost towns have their opera houses. Well, it's not much, you know. They call them opera houses, though. Uh-huh. 
stage shows used to come around in those days. Did you ever hear of a girl called Bella Sawyer? Uh, I don't recall. She was in one of those shows, I believe. Oh, Danny, you know. Danny? Who's he? The only inhabitant of Colville. You mean there's still somebody living there? Sure. Danny Quayle. Well, what does he do? I mean, how does he live? Just get along, I guess. And, uh, peculiar, you might say. Comes down here about once in two months, buys some supplies. How does he pay for them? Gold. Pans enough to buy what he needs. Been there ever since the gold rush days. Wonder why he stayed on. Well, you asked him. His brother was, uh, murdered there, you know. Marty Quayle. About 50 years ago it was. I've heard the story two or three different ways. Some say it was... Right now. Did you say Bella Sawyer? Yes. That was the name. I remember them telling me when I first came here. I have been here only about 15 years. They said this Marty Quayle was kind of stuck on this girl, Sally, uh, Bella Sawyer. And he was murdered. Didn't they catch the murderer? Ever? Nope. Some figured it was one fellow, some figured it was another. A lot of people got themselves killed in them days. Folks wasn't too particular. Well, now I think of it. Some of them thought maybe Danny Quayle killed his brother. Killed his brother? Yeah. Well, he wouldn't have stayed on, surely, if he did. Mm, he wouldn't think so. What does Danny talk about when he comes down for supplies? Oh, usually don't talk about nothing at all. Once in a while, he goes on about making a strike, stuff like that. Uh, I don't pay no attention. All them old sourdoughs talk like that. Yes, I know. Yeah. The one thing I've never been able to figure out, though. What's that? Candles. Always buys candles. But he wants to have a light, I suppose. Well, what's so strange about that? No. He's got an oil lamp in his cabin. I know that. Because he buys oil. Buys a lot of candles. By the dozen, in fact. Well, now. That is strange. Yeah. I got the... Kind of curious one day. And I asked him. What did he say? He said, and I remember his very words. He said, you wouldn't want her to sing in the dark, would you? Her? What do you mean? Now, search me, ma'am. He wouldn't say no more. I never asked him again. I picked up one or two more scraps of information, but it was hard. Nobody was left alive in Burridge who remembered those days over 50 years ago when the gold fever was at its height. There was some who had heard stories, though. I learned a little about the Quayle brothers. They were totally unright. Marty, the murdered one, dark, good-looking, had a way with women, they said. Danny, plodding, slow-talking, hard-working. I guess Danny did most of the work on the brothers' claim. And there were hints of a flashing romance between Marty and Bella Sawyer. And then Marty was strangled, and Bella never came back to Colville. Strangled. That puzzled me. In those violent days, men killed with a knife or a gun. Strangling wasn't in the picture. There was nothing more that I could get in Burridge, and so we bought some supplies and headed north for Coolville. Sam said, like a movie set, 
the silence. Can't believe there's anything alive here. There are no birds even. It's like a town that's waiting for the end of the world. I don't like it very much. There's nothing to be afraid of, dear. The dead can't hurt you. Something out of character. Out of balance. I don't know what it is. What do you mean? It's hot. Sunny. Lovely summer day, and yet something cold and dead about all this. Well, it's hot, certainly. You want to walk along and have a look at things? All right. Look at the fronts of these buildings. Yeah. Trying to be impressive. Nothing behind them. Hey, what was this? Can you tell? Something left of the name up there. Look. O. O. A. <laughs> Saloon. Oh, yeah. There'll be plenty of those. And there's the bank next door. <laughs> you see it? I wonder if they've forgotten that's the money in there. You want to go in and see? Oh, not me. God, they fall through the floor. If there's a floor left. Mm. Oh, Ken, look. What? Over there, the opera house. Why, George, so it is. The Della Sawyer used to come and sing. But you noticed something about it. Notice what? Well, it looks taken care of. Oh, no. Pretty dilapidated to me. I know, but the letters in the name are much clearer than any others in the street. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Almost as if someone had... Come on. Let's go over and have a look. All right. Bad shape after all. Yeah, but look at the name. Somebody has tried to do something with it. Uh-huh. It's been painted since uh long after anything else around here was painted. Mm-hmm. I'd like to have a look inside. Come on. Mm-hmm. Just as I thought. Oh. Pretty well gone. A few benches, eh? Well bought. That's a tough Look at how thick they are. Let's try What? Over there. Scrap of an old poster. Look, Liz. Oh, yeah. Badly torn. Mm. It is vibrated and beautiful. This. Oh, damn it. It'd be torn there. Do you think it was Bella Sawyer? I don't know. It all depends on... Oh. It wasn't Bella. Bella never came back. That was a sudden scream made my heart pound against my ribs. We whirled around from the poster holding on to each other. And there in front of us, no doubt about it, was Danny Quayle. He was an old, old man. His eyes pale blue, his face seamed and weathered, his hair and beard, a streaky white, all straggling. There was something in his head that had once been a hat. His clothes were just a covering, patched till they had no shape or resemblance to what they had been. What he wore on his feet told us why we'd failed to hear him approach, for instead of shoes, his feet were wrapped in old cloth and sacking. He stood there, apparently not very surprised, one hand held half-raised to point at the torn poster. Oh, I came back. Least way is not to help. 
Sure, I thought it's time. You, uh, you're Danny Quayle? Yeah. I say, you must be Danny Quayle. Yeah. You strangers in town, ain't you? That's right. You know? I just came up to Colville to, uh, uh to look around. Mm. Trying to get her fixed up. Get what fixed up, sir? Papa, I have to do it myself. Nobody else will give me a hand. But you live here all alone, don't you? There's nobody to help you. I ain't alone. No, sir. Not alone. Not alone. Easy. All right, Lois. He's a little, uh, then you know. Danny. Yeah? Danny, uh, we'd like to talk to you. We want you to tell us something about Colville. The old days, you know. Eh? Could we, uh, go up to your cabin? Where are you? What are you looking for? It's all right, Danny. We just want you to tell us some stories about the old days when you were prospecting here. You'll stay away from my cabin. All right, we won't go there then. I'll tell you what. You come along to our car. We got something to eat there. Maybe you'd like a drink. How about it? He came, finally. He ate greedily and drank a little. We tried to draw him out, but his mind wandered. Patiently, I tried to work the conversation around to Marty and Bella Sawyer. He was very wary. I could tell that years ago he'd been severely questioned about the murder. I told them they were satisfied. Marty's dead. Good and dead. Didn't do no good. She came back one night. I was there. She came back looking for Marty. Every year she came back looking for him. She never found him. Tell us, sir. Tell us about that other night. The night your brother was killed. Strangled. He was strangled. They found him outside the upper house. She's seen him lying there. She's seen him. She's seen him dead. Sorry, Rose. What happened before that, Danny? Huh? Did something happen in the opera house? He was sitting beside me. She was singing. He got up and started singing, too. Singing with her. He was singing with her. Now, he won't be singing with her tonight. He won't be there. He won't be there. Tonight. Now, I gotta go. I gotta get things ready for her. Uh-huh. You mean she... She don't want nobody else to do it this minute. Gotta light the candles. She can't see without the candles. Gotta get things ready. She can't see without candles. Oh, Ken. I'm scared. There's nothing to be scared of, darling. He's harmless. The way he talks, he believes Bella Sawyer's coming near tonight. Of course he does. He was in love with her. You can see that. He's just cracked, that's all. He believes that she comes back from time to time. What was all that about candles? Huh. Just beginning to get an idea. Yeah. I'm telling you what. Let's just take it easy for a while. As long as it gets dark, I think we're going to find out what the old boy's up to. I don't want to be here when it's dark. No. And there's not a thing to be afraid of. 
There's no one else but Danny here. And he can't hurt you. Oh, I know he can't. But, but what the... It's as if there was somebody out here. He could see old Danny Quayle shuffling down the street, going noiselessly on his old rags. There was nobody else in Colville but him and the two of us. Nobody else. Lois was a brave girl that night. Her will would have taken her back to Burridge, but still she came with me down the street towards the opera house. Neither of us spoke as we slipped tensely past the dead buildings with their distorted shadows. We were within twenty paces of the opera house when Lois froze in her tracks and seized my arm with both hands. Ken, look. There's a light. A light? Where? There, look. Can't you see it? Good Lord, so there is. It's in the opera house. What can it be? It seems to be shining through a crack. Come on, let's find out. But Ken, it's all right. It can only be old Danny. Come on. Don't make a noise. Watch the boards. On tiptoe, we hurried to the door of the old theater, pushed aside the burlap at the door and peered in. What we saw stopped us as if we'd been struck by lightning. Across the front of the old broken-down stage were footlights. They looked like tins cut in half to make reflectors. Set in each one of them was a lighted candle. And seated on an old bench in what was once the front row was Danny Quayle. Yes. I suspected something like this when he said he had to get things ready. Well, that's what he wanted the candles for. Footlights. I imagine he sees her in his mind. Uh, he was in love with her, you see. He had to make her come back. Oh, man. Oh, I don't know about that, darling. There's something else we don't know yet. Something I'd better find out. What's he doing? He's plotting. What do you know? This is the moment he sees her. Watch. I got it then. I could see that night long ago. Bella Sawyer sweeping onto the stage, perhaps in a trailing summer frock, carrying a parasol. The miners clapping and shouting. Two brothers sitting down front. In the eyes of one, a look of mute appeal, a lost look. In the eyes of the other, a flashing, mocking recognition of the bold smile of the woman who sang. And then, without warning, leaping to his feet, vaulting over the footlights onto the stage, and arm in arm with Bella Sawyer, joining her in a chorus of the heat of the day. And a word exchange, perhaps, under the cover of the shouts and applause. And then the young man, flushed and triumphant, shaking his locked hands at the audience in a token of success, jumping down again to the floor. Falling back into his seat, telling his brother exultantly, I'm going away with her tonight after the show. And the brother mute. And I'll read. And then... Stage. Yeah. It's probably rotten. It'll, 
making it. It's going around the end of the footlights. You see? Why? What for? Be very still. Now, this may answer a lot of things. Yes. He's made it. I didn't think he would. He's walking towards the center. He's looking at something. Can you tell what it is? Lois, what's the matter? There's nothing there. At least so I can see her. Lois, I Look, she's moving towards me. Lois, darling, now listen to me. Look here. There's nothing on that stage. You hear me? There's nothing there. Only a poor, imbecile old man. I can see her. She's there. She is there. It's the shadow. It's your imagination. Sergeant of the provincial police and a doctor. 
I told Sergeant I'd solved a 15-year-old murder for him. But he was little interested in that. Like the doctor, he was interested in something else entirely. You say the old man was on his knees as if something was bearing down on him. Is that right, Mr. Bly? Yes, doctor. Hmm. And delusion, of course. He wasn't right in his head. Everyone knew that. And, uh, you say his hands were up around his throat? Yes. Very curious. Take a look at the throat, Mr. Bly. Look at the mark. That man's been strangled. That's what it sounded like last night. As if you were being strangled. Exactly. But in all my experience, sir, I've never before known a man to strangle himself. I had nothing to say. Let him think that. There were things I remembered. Things I would never forget. The cold eddy of air that brushed past us. The narrow path through the dust on the rotting stage. The shadowy figure of a woman in old-fashioned summer frock that Lois saw crossing the stage. I wish I could convince her that it was a shadow thrown up by the guttering candles and the footlights embellished by her imagination. I wish I could convince myself. has presented The Ghost Town Hermit, the first in a brief series of ghost stories and tales of the supernatural. The script was by Alan King, and the story was presented with John Scott as Ken, Peg Dixon as Lois, and Eric Clavering as old Danny. Alfred Gallagher was heard as Frank, the newspaper editor, Douglas Master as Sam, the storekeeper, and Hugh Watson as the doctor. Sound effects were by Alex Sheridan. Technical operation, Ross Totten. This is Bill Lawrence speaking. Theater 1030, The Horror, and everything else Relic Radio at relicradio.com. You'll find thousands of podcast episodes available there and our Shoutcast stream. Lots to listen to, all for free, thanks to your support. If you'd like to help out, visit donate.relicradio.com or click on one of the links on the website. Your support makes all of this possible. Thanks to those who have helped out. Thanks for joining me this week. Be back next Saturday with another episode of The Horror. <laughs>